Good evening. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17. We're looking at a single verse here in Proverbs 17 in the third verse. It says, The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you and magnify your name as we are here together, Lord, to worship you. Lord, we pray that you'll help us this evening glean the thoughts and the desires that you originally sent the Spirit to inspire the original writer. Lord, I pray that we take in that which we learn today and apply it to our lives, Lord, in recognizing and really realizing that you at all times, at all moments, are at work in our lives. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. It was said a preacher who lived out in the country was testing one of his rich members. So the pastor asked the farmer, he said, John, if you had a hundred pigs, would you give 25 to the Lord? Oh, yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. Absolutely. I would give 25 pigs to God. The pastor Again, as John, John, if you had 20 pigs, would you give five of your pigs to God? Oh, absolutely, Pastor. If I had if I had 20 pigs, I would give 10 pigs to God. Without a doubt, Pastor. The pastor asked John again. He said, John, if you had only two pigs, would you give one to God? The farmer responded to the pastor, Preacher, cut that out. You know I only have two pigs. You know, as funny as it is, it, it seems in life that we believe that testing is good. We believe that testing is good for everybody as long as it remains in the hypothetical. But soon as it becomes applicable, soon as it becomes our own reality, everything that we say we believe seems to go out the door. It seems that when testing comes to our lives, we no longer see the value of testing. Yet we recognize the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs as this book of wisdom. And yet in what we see here in this third verse, in this book of wisdom, that the finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and that the Lord does indeed try the hearts. It points out something here for us in this third verse. It points out that each of these elements will say, the gold, the silver, and the heart. What this verse points out for us is that each of these go into a time of trying, but on the 
other side of the trying, something precious is brought forth. The fining pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, and the Lord trieth the hearts. One commentator said about Proverbs 17.3 that it is really the crucible of the Christian life. It is this time of severe testing. It is a time of severe trials that is being spoke of here. One financial analyst was saying the other day that he was urging people, as they all do, in doomsday reality, the world's coming to an end, but they was urging people to start investing in their portfolio and going and buying tangible gold bullion and tangible silver. Now, he did not encourage people to go out into the mountains and find silver ore that is still mixed with the rock. He didn't uh, tell people to go out into the mountains and find gold that's still mixed. He told them to go, go find bullion. This urging was for them to go find something that was already of substantial value. That which was already and had already been purified. It's something that has already been brought to the full earth. And you know, when there's something to be said whenever you look at silver before it is entered into the fining process or gold before it is made into the bar. When, when it's went through the purifying process and then we see this bar of silver, this bar of gold, it kind of clutches our eye then way more than in the natural state. So verse 3 wants us to see the wisdom that is being pointed out here first in the value of the time of trial. There is valuable, valuable processes and a valuable result to the end of the crucible. There, something comes forth on the other side of great value. All of these we see also are precious, silver, precious, gold, precious, the heart of man, precious. The value is not, though, accessed in the natural state, assessed in the natural state. They must all go through a tempering process. Silver, again, to the finding pot, gold to the furnace, the Lord tries our hearts. This is the order in which purity comes. Also, though, notice what it says. There is only one place each element can be refined. Only the Lord can try the hearts of man. Only the Lord can purify our hearts. The Lord is the one who tries our hearts. That through trials and afflictions, what? we can be more like him. This isn't just some verse that is cut off to the Old Testament. We see this taught all throughout the New Testament that there is something wonderful going on as we go through the crucible, as we go through the test of life. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you 
as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being found more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and the honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Notice that this purifying process will one day bring us to a place of value at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It may not feel good now, but there is going to be a glorifying end. This is something else we can understand here in this verse, that there is a relationship between the vessel and that which is being purified. So for the fining pot, it is the relationship to the silver. For the furnace, it is to gold. And for our hearts, the relationship is to the Lord. This, this is a relationship that the one doing the refining process, the one who is over the refining process, also understands the refining process. We need to grasp that. In the trades, for those who don't understand, one of the most aggravating things that happens in the trade is when a greenhorn, or also known as a rookie, shows up on the job, and all of a sudden, in his two months' worth of labor, has been so enlightened that he wants to tell you how to do the job you've been doing for the last 10 years. Super frustrating. I have seen grown men go into full mantrums over this kind of thing that happens. So we see this kind of a thing going on here. The one who is doing the refining knows about it. For this process, we even understand that the silversmith who's refining the silver, we would never even question the steps that he is taking, the, the steps that he is per, um, introducing the silver to in the refining process because we say, hey, he is a silversmith. Yet also in the same, we can apply this to the goldsmith. We would never step back and say, hey, what are you doing? You're doing this all wrong because we understand that the goldsmith, by name and title, understands what it takes to bring the dross to the top. He knows what is necessary to introduce the gold to. He understands the temperature that the gold must be at in the furnace in order to bring the dross to the top, in order to remove all of these things that are contaminating the gold to purify it. He understands this process. You see, so it is with God the Father. He knows exactly in this refining process in our lives and hearts. He knows exactly what to do to cause us to let go of the things we're holding on to. He knows exactly what to do in our lives through trials and testings. Like Peter said, these fiery trials. He knows exactly what to do to bring us to a state where we will let go of this world and cling 
tightly unto him. His ultimate goal is that we, he refines us to a place that he is reflected in us. History has told us that our God not only tries us, but, you know, we have developed this thought process in our mind that God has put us into fiery trials and, so to say, left us. That he's left us in the refining pot. That he's left us in these fiery trials and then we just feel like we're cooking full steam and when is he going to come back and deliver us? We've been in here long enough. But it is not so because what the Bible teaches us in Malachi is that God is the God who sits next to the refining pot. He not only knows that we are in the refining pot, but he is there intently watching over the refining process. He knows when it's time to deliver that which has been refined out. He knows when the impurities are gone. He is intently there. So he says in Malachi um, chapter 3, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of the silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So the refiner does not leave the process. This is important to us, is it not? This is important to our hearts because we need to understand that no matter what trial we experience in our lives, God is intently looking down upon us in the fiery trial. As we're being brought to this place where we more clearly reflect him, God knows when it's time to remove us. We also see this in different times in the book of Daniel, do we not? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They told old Nebuchadnezzar, you know, if it be so that our Lord deliver us, but if not, we still will not bow. And there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was what? Delivered into the fiery furnace. Next thing you know, Nebuchadnezzar says there's three in the fire, but it seems like there's four walking in the flame. And that one seems to be like the son of man. This is the next step that in the trials of our lives, we must not forget that not only as we just seen in Malachi that during the refining process that God is intently looking down upon us while we're going through the trials but God is such a loving God that as we seen this morning that he will be with us in the fiery furnace in the fiery trials in the troubles of our life. We are not refined alone. We are not brought to this place all alone, but he is clearly with us. I could not imagine the feeling that these four or these three Hebrew boys had felt as they faced the fire. But faith won out. The problem is not at times that we would say that the problem is not at times the fiery trials. It's oftentimes that we just really don't <laughs> enjoy, so to say, these times of being purified. We keep in the firing trials wanting out of the pot. You know, I went through this as a kid, so to say, whenever I found myself in steep water with my mom. The only thing I cared about was escape. 
I considered myself in the most fiery of trials. And so we went forth that whenever I found myself in trouble, I started my natural ritual. First, I blamed everyone else. Secondly, when that didn't work, I would then start to beg for forgiveness and promise her that I would never do this again. Then I would tell her she didn't have to do this because I completely understood that I did wrong against the Bible. And then the fire would be turned up and all I could imagine was escaping the paddling. And as she began to paddle, she would say to me, hey, the refining process is in order. But then she would follow up and say, if I miss, this is your fault <laughs> because I would be dancing all over the place. Well, it only took a couple of misses that I learned to stay still. But the problem is, I was trying to do everything I could to stop the refining process in my life. I was trying to do everything to escape this. And this poured over even into my life. I would get whipped. I would go to the room. Then I could say, oh, I just can't wait till I grow up. When I grow up, nobody's ever going to correct me anymore. Nobody's ever going to punish me anymore. I can't wait to be out on my own. And finally, I was free and got out on my own and I was escaped and no one could punish me. And then I got married. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, the the thing is for our minds and hearts is that we're always trying to escape the refining process. We don't want nobody over us. We don't want nobody telling us what to do. We, we have no desires to find ourselves there. We told ourselves, uh, maybe you didn't. Well, I can't wait to get older and I'll have my own money, Right. And then we get older in our first year into our job. In the first year of our new job, after we get this job and we get money, we're dreaming about escaping it and retiring because we don't want to work no more. We are always trying to escape things that make us uncomfortable. We try to escape things that we do not like. The problem is here in this thought process of the finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth our hearts. Is that this thought process of escaping the refining process really comes from a place of entitlement in our own hearts. It comes from a place where we actually believe that we shouldn't even be here. I mean, this was the thought of Job's wife, right? In Job chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10, it says, then said his wife unto him, dost thou retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. We have to get to a place that even when things are not like we like or even when things are not like we want them, we must get to a place that we understand here that you are not the one at work. God is. And if he is at work, as Job said to his wife, 
if someone tries to encourage us to escape, if someone tries to tell us that this is wrong for God to even to uh, allow this in our life, the thing we must understand is we must explain to them, I'm not at work. I don't know what I need to be refined because I've never been involved in the refining process. But God knows what I need to refine in my heart. While God is doing something good in my life, even though it does not look good, and we went through this just a few weeks ago, did we not, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know all things, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We emphasized as we studied into those words, and we know that all things work together. It was said that uh, one commentator said about Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 that this is the following up of an apothecary. This is the work only of an, a pharmacist. That the apothecary and the pharmacist, when we go to the doctors and we get our medicine, we don't go back and check on the pharmacist and say, hey, are you sure that you've tempered this? We trust that the pharmacist, we trust that the apothecary, the physician, has taken the things that can absolutely kill us and mixed it with the things that are good for us and through a tempering process of using what he knows about these ailments or these um, materials that can kill us, they have been tempered so that when we take them, it brings for us, brings, brings forth through us a healthy person. Romans 8.28, it is to say that God in our life takes the fiery trials through the refining fire, takes the troubles of our lives and takes those things and mixes them with the good of our life and through this tempering process brings forth someone who looks more like him. That is the medicine that we get here from here. That yes, we are in the trials. Yes, we are being refined. But in the end, we will look more like him. Just a few verses shorter in Romans 8 and verse 18. We say, for I reckon that this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which, we, which shall be revealed in us. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Just last year, we had this opportunity to go out to Idaho and preach. On our way out to Idaho, we stopped at this massive, beautiful lake in Montana. It was called Flathead Lake. Just to kind of give you an idea how massive this lake is. We had to get GPS just to figure out how to get back to our dock. We were lost. I mean, this, it was beautiful. I mean, the trees and everything, the water was just so clear. I loved it. But you know what? When I got home from Idaho, I didn't call all my kids out on the back deck and look, gather around the swimming hole. Behold, Flathead Lake they would have shook their head and walked back in the house because there is no comparison 
to the massive size of that lake to that little swimming pool in my backyard. There's no comparison at all. And so Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. There's just no comparison. They don't even pan out together with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There is no comparison at all. So we sit back and say, but you don't understand. I'm, I really feel like I'm in the crucible. It's no comparison. Now, uh, Brother Tim could probably tell us when you're sitting there with cancer and you don't know if you're going to make it, the times are trying. But what the Bible has promised us, the sufferings even in that time in his life, those trials, they will not even compare to what we will one day be or what we will one day see. They're not even worthy to be compared. That's a difference, right? To say that we offer up a comparison is to say that it's worthy to be compared. Paul said the shipwreck, the beatings, and all of the things and the afflictions that he's experienced in his own personal life, he is not even willing to compare those afflictions to what one day is coming for him. We may say to ourselves, you know, even with cancer, wait a minute, I, I almost died. I'm suffering. Yes, yes, indeed, we, we all are suffering in our own ways. But a wise man, <laughs> inspired by the Holy Spirit, written, wrote in Proverbs 17 and verse 3, the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. It is a process that no one is comfortable with, but it is a process that we can trust. Because no matter what is at hand, no matter what is before us, the word of God teaches us that the one who is trying us is intently looking over the process. I can almost envision what that looks like, that the Lord in this trouble and in this trial that we're going through, that the Lord is intently looking down upon me in this very struggle. Well, we may think in our hearts and minds, did he forget us? No, he's watching us, each and every one of us. We may say, well, it's time to be delivered. No, it's not yet time to be delivered. Well, when will we be delivered? When the dross is removed and the refining process is done and everything that God has for us is removed. Well, how much longer? God is working. Well, I mean, how much longer in my life? Listen, all of this is working together for good. Even if it takes our life, even if it takes our life, it's working together for good. And even in it all, if we finally arrive there, when we finally arrive there in heaven, if someone was to come up to you and say, remember on earth when you would say, stop, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Our minds will be completely washed from the ailments of this life. Job even had great confidence, did he not? In Job chapter 23 and verse 10, he said, when I get through this, 
I shall come forth as gold. Meaning he could trust that the one who was refining him in his life was going to bring him to a place that he would better be able to glorify God. You ever thought about that in our own lives? That the troubles and afflictions that we face in our life, God is trying to get us to a place that we can better glorify him unhindered by this world. That he's trying to get us to a place where we can bring more glory to him. That is this refining process. Less of the world and more of God. Less of sin and more of God. This is the process that Proverbs is offering up to us. Yes, there is a refining process, but the beauty of it all is really what the, the author of Proverbs is saying is that it is a terrible thing to be refined, but it's not so bad when it's the Lord who's refining us. We can trust this process because we know in the end of it all, that all of it's going to work together for good. And these afflictions, as Philippians says, these light afflictions, they're light. That's what Paul said in Philippians. They're, they're really not that bad. Well, they seem bad. Yeah, but because we're having such an earthly view. But in the end of it all, when the refining process is done, we shall come forth as gold. What, what a glorious thought. All of this, all of this one day, when we reach that celestial city, will matter no more. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. Lord, I pray that you'll remind us, Lord, that as we go out into this work week, Lord, and as we face this work week, that we'll be reminded in our own hearts that the things that we experience in this life, they're just temporal. The troubles that we experience in this life, they're just temporal. But they are all working for a greater glory. The things that cause us to tremble, the things that cause us to weep, are all to cast us upon you. They're all meant to draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray that everything that we experience in this life, that the first thing to our mind is not escape, but how can God be glorified in this situation? Lord, I give thanks to you for all that you've done. We praise, you, we praise your name and we lift you up. We pray for all those who are traveling, that they'll make it back safely and that we will soon be together to worship again. In Jesus' name, amen.